Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Thirty-five goals were scored of the return of the Champions League match day three on Tuesday. None of them by Erling Haaland. Insanity all over the place as Atletico Madrid and Liverpool play in a five-goal fest. PSG just about escape, even though Kylian Mbappé skies a penalty. Vinicius Jr. turns into Ronaldo phenomenal. So many goals, so much action. Heath Peers in the house. Jonathan Johnson joining later on. Hopefully, Cristina Unco as well. Champions League recap. Que golazo begins right now. Everybody, welcome to Kego Lasso Champions League Match Day Three Tuesday Recap. Heath Pierce, how are you, bud? I'm doing well, man. I I just like the fact that I can catch you at any time of the day, and your energy is peaking, uh, <laughs> which means I don't know if it doesn't ever not peak. But I'm doing well, man. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Listen, by the way, when I'm not on screen, like I'm just an absolute mess. I'm asleep on the couch. I'm just like, so I have to like turn it up. I'm like here and I'm here. I'm Jacqueline Hyde, but it's good to see you, buddy. Uh, thanks for joining us. Heath Pierce always with us throughout the week, specifically in recap action for the Champions League. As we mentioned, so many goals, so much action in a moment when he is ready. Jonathan Johnson will join us from Pog de Prince as PSG escaped. To be honest, we were feeling good for Jesse Marsh for a little bit. But uh, Lionel Messi came alive. PSG obviously got that win, even though Kylian Mbappé missed a penalty towards the end. So that was a, a tricky one. Uh, and we'll talk about the rest of the action. But let's uh, begin. Um, by the way, by the way, if you're watching this on YouTube live, thank you so much. I really can't emphasize that enough. Thank you. We want to hear from you. Get in that comment section. Share your thoughts. Ask us a question. Ask Keith a question. Christina Uncle, who is our officiating expert, she can answer all your questions as well. Get everything off your chest. Our producer will throw the best comments on screen because Des Norris is good like that. And if you're listening in podcast form, that's very nice. You know what's even nicer? Subscribe to Keolasa Pod wherever you get your pods and take a minute to leave us a glowing rating and review. But we want engagement, everybody. Send in your comments. Send in your questions. We're going to throw it all at you. All right, let's begin, actually. Uh, with, uh, let's go with uh, PSG Leipzig, and then hopefully JJ will join us in a second. But Heath Pierce, listen, Jesse Marsh nearly got away with one here. Uh, he needed this game. Obviously, it's not going that rosy for Leipzig. They went off to Parc de Prince and PSG, but individual talent essentially overlooked. But Ronaldinho was in the house. Uh, some Americans were in the house. And Mauricio Pochettino gets away with one. How did you see this one? Well, I was surprised that Ronaldinho was there and not watching uh, Mo Salah play for Liverpool in the Atletico Madrid, as they are now the, the newest comparison, as we know. Uh, oh, the, joke, the joke that is the internet uh, has them compared. But yeah, it was, it was, it was hard, right, for, for Leipzig. If you, went, if you go back to the start of this game, you realize just how outmatched they are by just the star talent of Paris Saint-Germain. I think that the timing of this match lined up well for something to happen for Leipzig. And for long stretches, it seemed like, oh, they might stay in this. I thought that they matched up well with PSG. I thought they kind of punched their way back into these moments. And I thought PSG just didn't have that killer instinct at times where they were allowing uh, RB Leipzig uh, for, for many moments to just get further up the field and get into dangerous positions that RB Leipzig showed that they're capable of converting on. Unfortunately, uh, you know, penalty call and things like that, that, that I think just swayed the other way. I think, uh, I, I think it's funny when you look at the timing of it, there's just no good way to give up any sort of, uh, goals against, uh, PSG, right? Yeah. If you give up and Jimmy's theme, Jimmy Conrad's theme has been recently of like, Oh, you score early. And when you're the underdog and then you gotta, you gotta survive right. Uh, for this long. And I don't know if there's any time or any scenario against the PSG team that you want to be up a goal or down a goal. You just hang out for dear life from start to finish. And I thought RB Leipzig matched up well. I thought they actually could have gotten out of this with uh, at one point, three points, if not one, and then to, to, to fall apart in the end and give up uh, just individual, individual moments of brilliance for, for PSG is just a little bit too much. And also 
when you're in a rut and you're 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 Jesse Marsh, you don't want to be playing against uh, PSG, right? This is not the game you want to bounce back or secure your job upon. In fact, if you're judging Jesse Marsh on this, this is not the game that you go, this makes or breaks you and your ability yeah. to, to beat the best team or like the most stacked team in the world right now. Yeah. What, what did you, if you're a PSG fan, by the way, would love to hear your thoughts. If you're a Leipzig fan, a USMNT fan as well, would love to hear your thoughts on how Tyler Adams did, etc. I know obviously he gave that ball away. Uh, for that goal, but Kylian Mbappé opened the scoring in the ninth minute, and you thought, okay, here we go with the PSG narrative, but Andre Silva got one back, and then they took the lead uh, 2-1 with uh, just under the one-hour mark, and then obviously Lionel Messi did their thing. There was a lot of um, Olegana Social Manchester United vibes here, Heath, where Pochettino was just hoping for things to be you know, enlightened by some of his individual talent. It wasn't so much that a tactical perspective was was doing their business. And you got to give credit to Leipzig for coming here and fighting as hard as they could. Scoring goals is never going to be kind of an issue for them, I guess, as much. Uh, generally speaking, it's more about protection. Would you say that at the very least, Leipzig can go back and say, you know, we can build from something like this, from a result like this? It's always hard to, to take a loss like this where you're actually in front at one point, right? And you looked like a team that was matching up well with Paris Saint-Germain. I didn't think that, you know, again, you, you take away the indiv individual moments of brilliance and it would have been hard to see which team was PSG on the day mm. uh, in, in full transparency. I think it, it's hard. It, there was nobody stood out as, as, as just sort of above and beyond the other team. You take away those moments of brilliance and, and you do that. I guess that's what separates them is you can't really eliminate that from any team because you go, well, that's what makes us PSG is the ability to have in individual moments of brilliance. But I, I, I do look at this as a positive for RB Leipzig. I think they, they saw in themselves their ability to compete with a team that is very, very strong and, and attack against them, right? You're talking about Kempembe, Marquinhos, Mendez, Hakimi, and, and they, they matched up well in the attack against them. And Andre Silva, as we know, not the production that we've seen from him, uh, that we saw from him last season in the Bundesliga, but to be able to, to score I think is an important part uh, for his confidence. And then just the team overall. I, I don't think there was ever a moment, uh, again, not to repeat myself, that, that RB Leipzig looked outmatched or outplayed or out, out of their depth. You know, we, sometimes we see this discrepancy, and especially when you're talking about the group of death. I, I don't know if you remember going back to that uh, reaction video that Tyler Adams had where he was seeing yeah, the draw, draw happening. He was, he was like, like, oh, man. He was yeah, like, yeah. like mind blown by it, right? And, and you look at that sometimes and you go, okay, that's because, you know, this is like, Sharks and minnows, right? This is an underdog, and then a bunch of big teams in 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 your group, or at least two of them, and then they go and not get a result. If you're RB Leipzig against against Bruges, and you go, okay, well, you got to be able to win some of these games, and then they match up well on this one. Where I think they've been looking for a little bit of that belief, and we've gone down, we've gone over Jesse Marsh's tactics this year. We've gone over the fact that they haven't replaced some of their outgoing players that, that were world-class and went to some of the biggest clubs. We haven't seen the output of uh, last season. And so there's all these pieces coming to it that I think they saw a belief in themselves for large parts of this. It's just unfortunate that you come out with zero points and you're pretty much doomed to fighting. And, and I think they were already really having to scrap now to make the Europa League to keep that sort of trend in the right direction for Jesse Mars's job, but also the team's form. Yeah, when uh, when they were 2-1 up, by the way, and then they had a free kick and it took a good Kaylor Navarre save to stop them, I really was like, listen, PSG are a mess. I tweeted it, and then boom, Lionel Messi scores, and they equalize, and then he gets a penalty, scores a Penenka against Kaylor Navas. And I thought, well, okay, so that to me says one thing. You, PSG, are at this moment relying on the fact that individual brilliance will get you out of trouble. And I don't know how long that's going to last, especially when, you know, this collection of players are not yet clicking. So, you know, I said very, even before the Champions League started, look, with this team, PSG, you better get to the final. Now it's like, well, okay, getting to the knockout stage will be good for you. It's yeah. kind of ridiculous, don't you think? Well, when you look at just the cohesion of the team, this is a problem, right? We talked about the fact that you have all these stars in those individual moments of brilliance. When we talk about Manchester United, we say, hey, They've got the, like, if they're going to have to have individual moments of brilliance, it's going to be a very long season. It's the same for PSG. And then when you say, okay, team cohesion, well, they're still missing players today, right? No Neymar. Uh, yeah. That's a difficult thing to prepare for, uh, you know, in terms of the team you want to roll out. You want Sergio Ramos is still missing too, yeah. Sergio Ramos, like, who's in your team, who's out of your team? Yeah, you're going to slowly find cohesion, but if at a certain point you want to roll out your best lineup and have a run of games where you can actually start to build 
that rhythm. Now, do I think it's they're probably better having a rotation? I do because then Messi becomes the star and Mbappe becomes the star and you have a different balance. And then maybe Messi's not playing in Neymar and Mbappe. And, you know, there's some sort of balance that I think they can find with saying, this is your team for today. And they have the ability or brilliance to be able to do that. And I am worried about just cohesion of that team anyway, because we've seen when they're all on the field, nobody knows which gets to take the playoff, who's tracking back, who has to play defense, who doesn't. They're all sort of looking at each other being like, nah, man, I'm the best player in the world. And the other one's like, no, I'm the best player in the world. You go play defense. Uh, and so, you know, overall, I think cohesion is going to be an issue um, if they don't make it a squad rotation type thing and you have cohesion from, say, like your your regular seven or eight that are playing behind your big stars. Yeah, well, mate, this is basically the time when a PSG side can maybe say to themselves, let's just let's just get through the year. And then once the knockout stages, we'll get our chemistry, which is really honestly what usually happens with these uh, big teams. By the way, get in that comment section, everybody, and tell us where you're watching from. And what game or games you just finished watching? We want to hear from you. Elliot is saying Hakimi and Gaye were no-shows for PSG today. They were lucky to escape with a result. I agree. And to be honest, when Hakimi, especially, and Idris Aguay, when they're not showing, it really shows the cracks in this PSG side. I agree with you, Elliot. Uh, they were very lucky with this result. And that's usually what happens when you have Kelly Mbappé. Messi, etc. Uh, JJ, by the way, is still setting up at Pug de Prance and he'll hopefully join us a little bit. Uh, Christina Uncle is here, though, Heath Pierce. So I, what I want to do is I want to bring her in and we want to talk a little bit Atletico Madrid and Liverpool. What a game. Christina Uncle, what's up? How are you? Hi, team. I am doing well. I think I'm kind of in the same place as you all. Everything just started crashing all at the same time for me on all these games. 35 goals scored, none by Erling Haaland, Christina. That's a little crazy, huh? <laughs> that is a little crazy. Let's focus on that, shall we? Actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not letting you get away with that. Let's talk Atletico Madrid-Liverpool. There were a lot of talking points here. Well, the first thing I want to do is talk to you about both penalties, okay? Uh, I think, obviously, there's not much to discuss when it comes to the Liverpool one. I think that was pretty obvious and pretty silly, but I would love to for you to focus maybe more on the one that VAR, uh, the Atleti one, where it looked like Diogo Jota and Luis Suarez were like, you know, jumbled in together. Then, you know, VAR came in. They said, look, ref, you better take a look. And the ref didn't give it. Very brave from the ref at Wanda Metropolitana. What do you make of it, Christina? Very brave. I'm actually glad that the VAR did intervene on this. So the referees on this match, German referees, we have Daniel Sierrick, one of the younger referees coming up, but basically going to be pretty much Felix Birch's replacement right when we talk about kind of coming up the line and he had a really experienced uh var with him on this match he had bastian Denkar, and as we all know in the bundesliga their standard of clear and obvious hair is very very high i would then argue uefa collectively they're the next one when it comes to whether something is clear and obvious error i like this call of recommending this var uh recommendation down to overturn the penalty because I don't blame the referee in an instant play, split of a second. You see two players coming cross by cross. You don't really know how much contact there is. He did a really good job of, I would say, milking that play or drawing that foul out uh, of it. So I understand where the referee made that decision on the game, but this is what VAR is for, and I like it because it comes, recommends. Nobody here would say, we want penalty on this, right? We, you know, the words that are commonly used with these kinds of contexts is, it's soft, right? <laughs> we don't want this. This isn't something that rises to a penalty, right? Especially uh, one that can impact the outcome of the game such as it would here. So I do like it. I do think it reaches a clear and obvious error. Um, and then I obviously know that just based on the officials on this match, it definitely ticked off all those marks for them. So very brave decision by um, the referee receiver here just for the fact that, as you guys know, everything leading into this from the red card, right? to the other penalty, everything was going against Atletico. And to make this call that you know you're going to overturn, which I kind of, I wish he had kind of gone a little bit more into the center field and then overturned the decision because he was right there at the back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised nothing got thrown at him. <laughs> That's yeah. a little bit more of a survival skill that I think he'll figure out a little bit later. <laughs> yeah. Do, 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 uh, just to follow up on that, Christina, did you, did you think there was anything open for interpretation on that? Because, you know, you, again, you break down anything into slow motion. You can see that there's contact. You can see that there's a little bit of a hold. Obviously, makes a meal of it. Um, you know, I, I'm just curious if there was any, like, if if it's clear enough that even, even um, Atletico Madrid should be able to see it later on and be like, that's not a penalty. Because there is enough, there's some sort of grabbing and there's a little bit of a pull in there. There's a little bit, if you were talking about, you know, letter of the law, it certainly seems 
seems like uh, that was overturned the right way because I, I think that's the right thing to do. Uh, because if you allow everything to go to replay, it can be overturned or it can or it can go for or against you. You can break it down into slow motion. Is there any sort of uh, interpretation in that, or is that just a clear and obvious overturning? Yeah, no, there there could be, but obviously when we're t- obviously when we're talking about clear and obvious errors, we don't want there to be any kind of a wiggle room, right? So we're not talking about a hundred percent. The standard isn't hundred percent. The standard's really high though. It's like ninety percent. Basically, I always kind of envision it like this, and the, basically the instructions that we get is. Let's say you take that clip and you throw it in front of the football world and 90% of the football world is going to come out and say, we don't want that as a penalty kick. That's kind of where we draw that line for clear and obvious, um, especially in these decisions where it's, it, it is a discretionary call. There's some gray area a little bit, but here we don't want it to be an extreme amount of gray area. This isn't going to be, if it's anything like a 50, 50 or 60, 40, if everyone's debating in the room, right? VAR shouldn't touch it. But I think here you're going to have a 90-10 with respect that people do not want it. And that's kind of what pushes it over, even though there is some slight contact. I think there is. I think that's going to overrule the uh, the discretionary decision. There. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this, Christina, because you talked about the momentum of that being against Atletico at that point and the courage it took. The red card uh, on Griezmann, right? Is there not a moment? I mean, obviously catches him in the face, but you can see clearly at no point does he – know where his foot is and I understand there is a responsibility of a player to to sort of not go rash and uh, blindly into something like that but uh, I'm just curious your, your thoughts on that or 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 was that the right decision was there not an opportunity to look at that and be like I mean the guy is looking over his shoulder it doesn't absolve him from everything but at no point does he know sort of that he's on on path to 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 get to somebody's face yeah so one of the bigger things that we do have to focus on is right so naturally you'll have a, uh, a movement by a player and they're focused on that ball, but you also have to have some consideration where the other players are on that. Right. So when you're going in with that swing and that movement of the leg, we've seen this before where someone will go in for a natural, you know, a natural clearance of the ball, but leave their studs exposed or continue through that duration of the play and make that contact studs in the knee, something to that effect, even after they cleared the ball first and you're seeing those red cards on it, this is a, something else similar. It's not, it's not a play that we would want to encourage for someone to take that type of a challenge or put their foot that high up in the air, which naturally would hit them in the head. We're not trying to encourage that type of play because if we only have a yellow card for that, then you know we're going to end up seeing but more all, players. But all of the best, guys. the best, all of the best, like highlight tapes are guys taking great touches or girls taking great touches where it's over their shoulder, the long high foot up, they bring it down <laughs> magically. Like the reels are made of those kinds of things. It just so happens that somebody's face was on the other end of, of the Because he had his he's had he had his eye on the ball the whole time. It's not like he meant to do it. That's what that's where it was harsh. But the the law is the law. Like he absolutely nailed his face and neck. Like you just you can't yeah. do that, right? It's just Yeah, happen. we we don't take intent in, right? So we you know, I don't I don't think he meant to, and obviously he was having a great game. So he's not looking to get a red card and exit the match, right? He right. wants to walk off with some applause. So we're not looking at intent, we're looking at essentially what was the impact and basically the safety of the players it's the number one for referees safety of the players i'm with you highlight reels but the high, highlight reels usually do not include studs in the face to another player yeah all right well listen i i i want to we're, we're going to revert back to the psg game against uh leipzig but before we say goodbye to you christina very quick on uh uh kareem benzema just for a second the real madrid game Obviously, the first goal, it looked like he was interfering with play, but then it was like the own goal. How did you see that one? Yeah, it's a good call for uh, no offside in that, right? So just a really quick, we need two different offside, or there's two parts of offside, uh, offside position and offside interference. Clearly, Benzema's in an offside position. However, he is not interfering with the play in the sense he's not interfering or impacting Kristoff's uh, ability to play that ball. So we consider that a deliberate play. Very, very similar to the Mbappe, you know, in the United Nations final. Um, I guess two Frenchmen have benefited from this exception to the offside law in their benefit. So we'll see if it remains, though, because I know UEFA is not really happy about this and has asked uh, is going to be asking IFAB to change this exception that we've had for over eight years. I just want to clarify. We've had this yeah, law for eight it, years. It, <laughs> yep, no, it's been a while. Absolutely. But guess what? Christina Uncle, always an absolute pleasure to have you. She hopefully uh, will be back as well tomorrow to answer more questions because guess what? Entertainment and drama never goes away in the Champions League. Christina, thank you so much. Thanks, all. Talk to you soon. 
Talk to you later. Let's revert back to the PSG bit game and bring back Jonathan Johnson from a very loud Pog de Prince. I imagine that's because Ronaldinho has his Kangol hat and he's doing some tricks. What's going on over there, JJ? How are you, bud? Hey there, guys. Doing very well, thanks. Uh, not as chilly as it looks, but uh, yeah, it was bouncing uh, about half an hour ago uh, once the final whistle went. So, JJ, uh, Heath and I have already talked about the game a little bit. Obviously, uh, we could see that, you know, one of the biggest conclusions was like, honestly, this was just another example of how PSG is just about escaping because of individual talent and maybe some mistakes from the other side. Please tell us, how did you see it uh, from the field? Well, first of all, I think uh, we should point out that I think Leipzig were very unlucky in this game. I thought they set themselves up well. They did really well to capitalize on PSG falling a bit flat after Mbappe got injured. You know, PSG started well, took the goal well through Mbappe. Uh, it was a lethal counterattack, but... It's kind of sad when PSG look more dangerous playing counter-attacking football in their own stadium. Uh, you know, Leipzig looked by far and away more comfortable, went close through Silva before he actually got the equaliser. Uh, and then from that moment on, it really only looked like that Leipzig were going to score again. It was just a question of when. But I feel that there was some naivety, uh, you know, perhaps some nerves crept in once they were 2-1 up and then the sex of Leo Messi getting desperate, trying to get PSG back into the game. Uh, you know, unfortunately, Tyler Adams is the, the full guy. You know, gives the ball away very sloppily. PSG suddenly get back into it, and the momentum of the game has completely changed. Uh, I haven't yet seen a replay of the penalty decision. For where I was, I was sat watching it. It felt like it was a ludicrous penalty for for Leipzig to, to give away. It looked like there was some grappling of arms. Uh, you know, and I think if that's the case, when I see it later on. Uh, I think Jesse Marsh and, and Leipzig can feel very hard done by because they gave PSG a game. And once again, you know, PSG getting some very, uh, you know, uh, very fortunate decisions going in their favor at times, uh, you know, and, and just getting all the breaks, which won't be the case all season long. Yeah, By the way, like, uh, before, yeah, Keith, ahead, before you bring that question in, I just want to remind everybody watching, JJ is at Pog de Prince, everybody. If you're a PSG fan, ask him a question right now. He will be able to answer it. So make sure that you fill in that comment section for us. Go ahead, Keith. Yeah, it certainly seemed like there was uh, a, a fortunate result that came out of just the two hands sort of like semi push in the box to get to that penalty. Do you think PSG are learning from? Is this a match that they learn from? Do you think that 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 there's something to take away from this when they get the results that go their way? Or is it a little bit more alarming uh, in the way that they're playing? I don't think that PSG are going to be allowed to, uh, to to keep playing like this because there's a lot of criticism already building up in France. There's a lot of question marks uh, over Mauricio Pochettino, his inability to find his strongest starting eleven, uh, you know, and his inability to get any sort of identity really out of this PSG side. But also at the same time, I think that there will be an argument put forward that at the end of the day, PSG are winning matches, getting results when they're not necessarily playing well. People always say that that's the hallmark of champions. Uh, and I think some people will put forward that argument and say at this moment in time all that really matters is the result especially when you bear in mind that PSG dropped points on the road against Club Brugge in the first round of matches and obviously Manchester City have recovered with that thumping win in Belgium uh, which means that PSG are really going to face a fight for one of those top two spots uh, you know I do think that PSG will realise that they have to be more wary uh, when they go to Germany to face Leipzig in a fortnight's time but also at the same time let's not forget PSG are going to be welcoming Angel Di Maria back from suspension uh, and Neymar should be back in the squad as well. He came back from international duty a bit banged up. So, you know, having those two guys available for PSG once again will bring new possibilities to the fore. But we've said this before, and PSG have still put, put out flat performances. You could argue that the only real convincing showing that we've seen from PSG so far this season was in that home win against Manchester City when it wasn't City's finest hour. So I definitely think there's a room for improvement for PSG. This kind of result was just to keep the pressure off of Pochettino, at least until the weekend when PSG go to Marseille, who are one of the domestic teams who could really give them some trouble. So, by the way, uh, I know that Heath wants to ask one more thing, but before I do that, I want to do something that Heath keeps bringing up. Hey, if you're watching this, all right, who do you who do you like better? Who do you think is better, Mohamed Salah or Ronaldinho in his day? I want to see how many insane people uh, uh, watch watch our show. So, if you think Salah put an S, if you think Ronaldinho put an R, please don't make me go over there and proverbially smack you. You know, there's only one answer for this one. Hey, JJ. Uh, Heath has another question for you. Hey, JJ, so here, here's my question, and we were just talking about this a little bit ago before you jumped on. Is 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 it going to be a matter of 
putting one or two stars on the field or three stars together instead of having your best 11 knowing that you have a, a team of world stars is that the best route forward for this team where you always have one of your players rotated a Neymar on the bench or coming back or rested a, a, a Messi rested an Mbappe rested is that what you think is the best route forward for this team to start to find some cohesion behind them but also just to allow them to have one player that gets to put the team on their back or two players that can sort of spur the offense instead of them having confusion as to who's leading this team, what's the rhythm of play, what's the system of play and all of that. I definitely think there's an argument to say that PSG actually are at their best when they're short-handed. We've seen Mauricio Pochettino dig out some very interesting performances and results when PSG haven't had everybody fit and available. Uh, however, I do think that, you know, with Pochettino's style of play, that he manages to get the best out of his teams when he has players of certain profile available to him. And trying to cram in all of their attacking talent is not necessarily conducive to the kind of football that Mauricio Pochettino likes his teams to play. So I do think that there is an argument to suggest that perhaps PSG are not going to play their best football when all of their big guns in attack are available. But also at the same time, there are some of those players in attack who are more consistent than others. You know, we've seen how Neymar takes it to a different level in the latter stage of the Champions League. He's not always there week in, week out in the group stages. You know, Kylian Mbappe is arguably the most consistent performer, both in the group stage and in the latter stages. But don't underestimate the importance of Angel Di Maria either. You know, I think when he comes back into that team, he brings such creativity, something that, you know, I think PSG are lacking a little bit uh, at this moment in time. That's not to say that Messi is hamstringing them. Uh, I just think that they're, it's quite clear to me, at least having watched PSG, obviously, over the years, that Angel Di Maria still has an important part to play in teeing some of these opportunities up for, for his teammates. And whether that's coming on sort of for the last half hour of the match, or playing the first hour and somebody else coming on to relieve him later. Uh, you know, I still think that we'll see a major difference when he's put back into that attacking lineup. JJ, quickly, before you go, we got a question from Tony. Uh, pretty good one, I think. I didn't get to see the PSG game, but I've seen some post-game uh, commentary. And Peter Schmeichel, our own Peter Schmeichel from uh, our Paramount show, said he thought that no Neymar seemed to open up the field for Mbappé. Was that the case, did you think? I definitely think that Mbappe got on the ball uh, a lot more, but I think that you know the the situation dictated that he had to do that. Uh, I think you look at the way that he scored that first goal. You know, it was a it's a great counter attack. It's just not necessarily the sort of football you you'd expect from a team playing at home. But he had Draxler available to him. Mbappe took that onus upon himself, wanted to make sure uh, you know that he was able to, to to finish it to get PSG that opening goal. And once Neymar, uh, sorry, once Mbappe took that knock. You know, PSG were lacking a really talismanic figure up until Messi came into the game, was gifted that opportunity uh, and brought PSG back into it with those two goals. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd say that Mbappe definitely has talismanic potential, but he hasn't been able to show that he can carry the team on his shoulders in the way that we've seen from Neymar in the last couple of seasons. But obviously, the big issue for PSG is how often they get Neymar on the pitch because to be without him again for this game was a was a big blow. Uh, and, you know, we, we very near cost PSG. Well, Jonathan Johnson at Park the Prince, I know you said that it doesn't look cold, but it does look a little chilly, but you look very smooth in that scarf, my friend. I feel like you look like uh, you should you belong in Daniel Craig's new James Bond movie. I'm not sure. A villain or a hero. Either one. I don't know. You look good, my friend. But why don't you get home, get yourself a cuppa. But thank you so much for joining us. And we will see you soon, JJ. Thank you so much, buddy. Thanks a lot, guys. Always a pleasure. All right, and that's Jonathan Johnson from Pop de Prince. He will get home, uh, and we welcome in. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Oh, some of the results that I saw. What yeah, the, what are you happy about? Mean? All right, fine. Tell me, tell me what you want. Tell well, me what you're happy about. Well, first and foremost, Ajax. What a what a performance. Real Madrid. What a performance. I mean, just some really good professional performances out there, and Liverpool figuring out a way to to survive. I thought that onslaught by Atletico Madrid. I'm happy to talk about whatever you like, though. I just give me like, 35 I, goals, not one scored by Erling Haaland, too. That's crazy, huh? It is crazy. I thought that for he had at least one in his bag, but Ajax were very, very good on both sides yeah. of the ball. So respect uh, has to be given to them. They earned it tonight. They did. Yeah, listen, I I, I don't want to move to uh, we we when we did the copy for this game, we wrote hipsters rejoice on the uh, <laughs> the, the, the Dortmund. Uh, 
the Dortmund Ajax game just because it's whoever wins that. gets Ricardo Pepe. I think. Yeah, it exactly. <laughs> it's it's exactly what you want. If you are a fan of the U.S. men's national team right now, you are channeled around young players, which means if you need teams in Europe, Ajax and Dortmund, that's what you want. Dortmund obviously didn't show up um, at all for a single moment, and Ajax were very very good. Obviously, from the very beginning, they they were dominant in that one. It's just amazing to see that you can put a thumping on a team that's kind of like top of the near top of the table uh, in the Bundesliga in the way that Ajax played. Yeah, I mean, just really good. I mean, Dusan Tadic, he ended up setting up the free kick that uh, Marco Royce, what a finish, huh? That own goal, really <laughs> spicy, but that really kind of set the tone. I mean, un, un, you know, when they played on the front foot and Dortmund didn't have any answers and we knew that they were going to be an Achilles heel, you knew Dortmund were going to give up some goals. They just didn't have that counterpunch that they usually have. And, and I have to wonder if Marco Rose is the guy for them. I mean, you know, Mauricio Pochettino for about 30 minutes was like, I don't know if this is the guy. He could get fired after this game if they lose to RB Leipzig at home. And then Jesse Marsh is now, I think, on the hot seat and, and uh, has been hanging out there for a little while. So with regard to Ajax in particular, really impressive performance. Sebastian Allaire getting another goal. So now he's creating more distance at the top of the Golden Boot start chart here in, in the Champions League. And, and you can't sleep on them. If I'm a team that's looking for a manager right now, I would be looking at Ajax's Eric Ten Hag. I, I just mean, like you have to do anything you can to get him. He's amazing. I agree. I agree. He's amazing. 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 Amazing manager. Hey, listen, uh, what do you think? Uh, what do you think? If you're an Ajax fan, please send us your thoughts. Oh, oh look who's back. Ilias from Somalia, I believe, right? Ilias, uh, unless you're somewhere else. Sebastian Hallett looks like a different player compared to when he was at West Ham. You know what the difference is? We just said it. Eric Ten Hag, I'm telling you. This boy can really, really, really play thanks to this great manager. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. If uh, you're watching live on YouTube, that literally just means that we'll be right back. If you're listening on podcast, that means a little break and we will be back. But we'll talk about the rest of the action of Tuesday. 35 goals, none by Erling Haaland. This is a stat that I just love. My wife is like, shut up. Think of another stat. All right, we'll be back. Kego Lasso, Champions League recap will return. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. We're back. I told you. Jimmy Conrad in the hizzy. Keith Pierce in the hizzy. Let's keep talking. Let's talk about Real Madrid uh, and their game against Shakhtar Donetsk for a second. First of all, Vinicius Jr. decided to turn into Ronaldo Phenomena today. He was on fire. Heath, what a game. And they wanted redemption after last season when they lost to Shakhtar Donetsk. How would you see Real Madrid? I mean, they were fantastic. Uh, I think Benzema is again goes back to the, the the argument, and I would love actually everybody that's watching. What was the what was the 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 the, the challenge that we had? It was Lewandowski, uh, Benzema, Benzema or Mosala. And Thierry Henry, yeah. Thierry Henry stuck with Benzema. Jamie Carragher was, was obviously with Salah, and so was Michael Richards. I'm with Salah, but Benzema. I mean, I'm not going to argue with you. <laughs> yeah, you can't argue, but but I will say Vinicius Junior. Very good on this one. Again, when you start to have these players that understand their role uh, and where they need to get into the good spaces, and when you have somebody like that, that completely, you know, Mbappe-esque where when they get the ball, everybody starts to overshift a little bit. You start to bring more numbers, and that busyness, I think, is really important for Real Madrid, who are, are starting to, to have a little bit of aging in their team. When you have that youthful spark that speeds the game up, that disrupts things, that just sort of makes things harder to predict on, on another team, because when you start to set up against them, right? And we saw last year, with with Shakhtar, when you set up against these guys and you strike, you you watch their tapes and they become pretty predictable. But when you have a player like Vinicius Jr., it makes that predictability less hard to prepare for. And it makes you start to actually prepare for the other team more than how you're going to prepare for yourself. And I think he was he was phenomenal in this one. So yeah, overall a top performance. 
Yeah, top performance. I just want to give a shout out to Vinicius Jr. Uh, some of the people that I know are calling him Vinny the Pooh instead of, yeah. <laughs> you can run with that if you like, but that is a pretty funny nickname. And I kind of like it. I like it. I he, think scored, it. I think. he scored six goals in 49 games in all competitions last season. He's already got seven goals in 11 this yeah. season. I already think that speaks to whether it's his evolution and, and maturity as a player or the player whisperer, as we like to call him, Carlo Ancelotti, who seems to know how to press the right buttons of his players. And you can see the team almost relaxed. Even when things aren't going necessarily their way, they don't seem tense. They, yeah. they feel like they have solutions, that they can lean on each other in tough moments. And this was just a good comprehensive performance yeah. overall. I don't know if anybody played poorly for Madrid. And I actually think that Ferlan Mendy wasn't supposed to start, but him starting on the left side gives the team more balance. He's got a little bit more experience than Gutierrez, a little bit younger when he starts. Vasquez was the right back. And obviously, if they have Carvajal there, I think they might have had their best 11 out there or close to it. So really good performance from them. I don't think they've scored five goals away from home in the Champions League since 2018 against Victoria Pilsen. Yeah, I pulled that one out of my butt. And, <laughs> and I mean, all of it. Yeah, I just think this is a team that is going to hang around. And if Letty is going to stutter, as, they, as they're known to do, and Diego Simeone's their manager, they always kind of stutter and sputter at some point. I think Madrid could be an outside chance to, to contend for the league title as well. And who knows? I mean, Ancelotti, I would never put anything past him as manager. Absolutely. If you're a Real Madrid fan and you're watching, I uh, would love to hear from you. Are you confident? What do you feel about Vinicius Jr.? How do you feel about Jimmy's comments right now about hope, you know, feeling good after Ancelotti taking over from Zinedine Sudan? I mean, it's only October, but yeah, I mean, they're looking pretty good. And obviously after resting this weekend because we didn't have a game, uh, they looked even better. Heath, you had a point about Vinny the Pooh. Yeah, Vinny the Pooh. That's great. Now I can't. I, every time I hear a short <laughs> phrase like this, I just think about Jimmy putting it on his board behind him the next time. <laughs> the, ne the next time I see him, like anything that's under like six words, I'm like, oh yeah, Jimmy's gonna put that up on the wall. But no, with 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 Vinicius, he's 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 the kind of player that if you're at Real Madrid, it's not good enough to have somebody that's gonna put up seven, eight goals or ten goals from. That's a 25 goal a year in the league that they play in, and the amount of competitions that they play in. That's the numbers you have to be able to put up. And when you see the calmness that he had in front of goal today, you, you're starting to see almost like a, whether it's a confidence, as you said, for, for Ancelotti or it's, or it's just the development of the player, uh, an ability to bring these attacks to a conclusion and finish them off with goals. Because that's the only thing that matters. You go back to the Robinho era and you know he used to destroy people. But if you can't bring that to a final perfect ball to set people up or be able to finish when you get your chances, you see a lot of good strikers or, or what we call class strikers get in a lot of positions and they have some save and whatever, but you see the top ones, they get one-on-one -on -one with the goalie and you automatically know the ball is in their favor, right? Not the goalie's favor. Whereas others you see, they're like, oh, a breakaway goalie's got a good angle. But the top ones, your Luis Suarez, you're, you're, you're just, I'm, I, I'm just struggling to think of who else on the top of my head, but the ones that get these chances and they know, hey, it's me against the goalie. I've got this whole goal to find it. I'm going to bury it. I think Vinicius Jr. is starting to find that confidence and that ability to convert on on big, clear goal-scoring opportunities because he gets a lot of them uh, where he's one-on-one -on -one, and then, you know, goalie makes a stick save, glove save, you know, one of these types of things where the goalie holds their ground. A top player has to be able to get around that sort of stuff, and it's good to see that he's starting to find that. Yeah, very, very good point. Jimmy has a hard out in five minutes. Uh, by the way, if you're watching, he's a busy man. He's a wanted man. And guess who's HQ. wanted? Got HQ. Yeah. Uh, HQ, HQ. All right, Diego <laughs> Lass is where it's at. All right, let, Jimmy, I want to talk to you about uh, Sheriff for a second and Inter okay. Milan. Inter winning 3-1. You thought, oh, maybe something can happen here. But no, Inter uh, burst that bubble. Uh, most of us predicted that this run would come to an end. But how do you see this game? How do you see Inter and Sheriff? Well, first off, I want to give a shout out to Edin Dzeko. He scored an absolute peach of a goal to make it 1-0. Every time I see him play well for Inter as a Roma supporter, I'm like, we could have probably used him. I don't know if we needed to let him go. I know we got Tammy Abraham, and I think he's been fantastic. But uh, having Dzeko as a partner wouldn't have been that bad. Anyway. Sheriff ends up scoring on a sick free kick. The same player, Phil, that ended up scoring against uh, Real Madrid, the winner. Great goal. Hit, hit another banger. Handanovic, maybe the goalkeeper for Inter, could have done a little more. He's a big guy. Got enough of his hand on it. Okay, whatever. We'll let him have it. 1-1. What I love about Sheriff, it's 67th minute. These dudes are still trying to play out of the back with 23 minutes left to go. It's 1-1. <laughs> they could have walked out, potentially scraped out a 1-1 draw at the San Siro. They're trying to play out of the back. They end up getting it stripped, and it leads to Jekko dropping into midfield. Benzema does that really well for Madrid right now. Arturo Vidal running past him, gets it scores near post, and, and that's, that's the game at that point. Sheriff's not getting back into it. As much as I want to get mad at Sheriff for just lump it for 20 minutes and just survive for 20 minutes, 
there's something that I appreciate and respect that even though they're on top of the table with six points and they got a one, one draw at the San Siro with 20 minutes left to go. They're still trying to play dude. They're FC sheriff. Like you, what do you, what do you shouldn't even have six points in the first place, you know? And so <laughs> there's something that I think is very pure about the way that they're approaching the game, that they're always just going to be themselves and they're not trying to be anything that they're not. And that's got them the success Jimmy, so far. Stop. Jimmy, what, I'm, I'm, trying, to be, I'm no, trying to be romantic got, about know, Sheriff. They got five goals for, for, for against at a certain <laughs> point. This is Europe. You get to do that in your league. And we talk about the minnows coming into this league and having that understanding of like, oh, we're going we're, we're gonna to have to play different at certain times. I and that it. was an understanding in that moment. I do like the romanticism of that. But not when you just go, hey, lump it in. But it, it, Jimmy does say like that last 15, it can be really hard uh, to have to grind that look, out. Hey, look at this. Look at this. No, but they could have had seven if they just would have played it yeah. smartly in the last 25 minutes yeah. is what I'm saying. The fact I, that they're trying to play out of situations. I do, I do like they, the fact that they saw three points there. Like, they saw three points in their eyes. They're like, no, they we, did. we win games. We don't Those draw. greedy don't bastards. Win. They were going for three. <laughs> I know. They go how, for the draw. How dare you, Sheriff? Well, they'll be playing at home next to uh, against Inter Milan and then at home to Real Madrid. So maybe that home advantage will help Sheriff. All right, Jimmy, you got to go. So anything you want to say before you say goodbye? No, I can't wait for tomorrow. Today was lights out. This is one of my favorite match days in recent memory in the Champions League, and I hope that tomorrow can even get close to what we saw today. Thanks for having me, everybody. See you soon. See you later, Jimmy Conrad. Thank you so much, Jimmy. We'll be back for us, and Heath and I will wrap things up here. All right, let's keep going through the uh, rest of the evening here, Heath Pierce. Let's talk about Porto and Milan. Porto beat AC Milan in Group B. It was a tough contest a little bit of a questionable goal there. Maybe there was like some kind of foul right before Luis, uh, Luis Diaz buries it, the Colombian. But regardless, AC Milan, once again, you know, is going to be struggling in their own group. What do you make of that one? I mean, this is one where uh, they're on zero points after three games. They're at the very bottom. Um, and I think that's problematic. We saw last year, though, the same sort of thing happened to Inter Milan where they went on to then win the league, um, time, you know, having nothing else to worry about. I don't always think that's the perfect recipe because when you're a player, the mindset of a player isn't like, oh, one less trophy to fight for. Hooray. Let's focus on one thing. Your mindset right. is like, oh, we fell short of that. That sucks. Um, and then you get on with with business. But it's not like this sort of there's no like prep preparing for that. But yeah, this was a close a close one. And when you look at the table, not great uh, for, for Milan in this one. Obviously, the upsides of this one. More minutes again for, for Zlatan to come in for Olivier Giroud. I think that's a really important factor for them. Um, and then when I'm, when I'm looking at, at, at a match like this, those are the ones that they have to be able to win because this type of match is what they're going to face in Syria, right? This is the type of game, closely contested, tactically very sound, tactically very smart like Porto are. They're not going to give you a lot. You're going to have to sort of scrap and fight and wait for your few moments. The fact that they didn't convert on that, I think is a little bit problematic and where we saw them fall short last season in Serie A when they play these types of matchups that are very, very close, being able to convert. And then, um, and, and so, yeah, I think it's a little bit problematic for them. I think that could lead to an upside for them long run, but you never want to be uh, on zero points uh, after three match days. Yeah, the problem for Milan in the Champions League is the format doesn't help them. The scheduling of they they have to now travel to Atletico Madrid, then they host Liverpool, and they don't have to, and they don't face Porto till the last game of the group stages. And by that, by then, it might just be too late. But to your point, that could be a blessing in disguise. We'll see. By the way, Manchester City uh, destroy Club Brugge five one. I watched this game; they were just like business as usual. They were just clicking. Everywhere, everywhere. Both fullback scoring. Both fullback scoring. I'm, I'm a fan of that, man. On a day Listen, like, that. like I was, I, I tweeted something. It was something like, uh, you know, I've been saying, and we've been saying, you know, no number nine is that a problem? Pep Guardiola is so good at seeing the pitch and just thinking of the pitch as like a chessboard and just putting the pieces where he wants them to be. It doesn't matter, honestly, if you have a number nine or not. And that's what happened today. You had Phil Foden. You had Kevin De Bruyne, you had Jack Grealish, Riyad Maris, and they were all interchanging roles. And Phil Foden's uh, ball to Cancelo, which was the opener, was a perfect example of that. He was so deep. But anyway, straight, just just business from them. Are you are you even more confident of Man City even after losing that PSG game in this Champions League tournament? Yeah, and one of the things that I really liked about this is Cole Palmer score, scoring. It's not yeah. a, it's not often you have a young player coming through. Phil Foden being the, the only example yeah. of, of a young player breaking into the first team. We saw uh, everything from Brahim Diaz go, end up on loan at Real Madrid and ending up at AC Milan. It's a very difficult environment for young players, not because 
of anything. But now to see players get get into these matches and contribute, I think is a really important factor for the fans of Manchester City. It's great to have big name players and big stars, but you want some of that homegrown talent starting to to work their way through. So to score a goal like that, it's really important. And like you said, there's a genius to 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 Pep Guardiola that you know can tear teams like this. Uh, apart. I mean, obviously, there's a big discrepancy between Bruges and 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 Man City, but we've seen Bruges uh, be able to take points in Europe consistently against some of the bigger teams, and and so I think it was a comprehensive performance uh, for this one, and one that allowed them to then, you know, with that type of lead, make as many subs as they did um, and rotate players through through their team. Which I think all those little tiny details that go in your favor, if you're Pep Guardiola, where you're like, okay. We got a heavy schedule coming up. We need the win. We don't have to win this, but we do need to win this. It's a, it's important too because we you know we believe that we can get the results to get into the knockout stages. It then allows you to go okay. It's going according to plan. Get some subs in. Let's rotate. Let's keep these players fresh because you've got a long season ahead. And when you're going to look back at moments where you've been able to rotate because it's not a closely contested nil nil or one nil against somebody that you should have a comfortable. Uh, lead against, I think is really important when you're trying to break down the season and and the uh, the workloads of your players. Yeah, and to your point about that group, by the way, even though Club Ruga got destroyed today, you know, they're still kind of in it. They're third with four points, Man City with six points, and PSG obviously with seven. If you're a Man City fan, by the way, and you're watching, how how much more confident are you now with the likes, as you mentioned, Palmer scoring, uh, Phil Foden looking very good, Jack Grealish, of course, uh, and, and getting to that final again? Because I Weirdly, I feel you more confident of you getting to that final more than last season. Just you, there's more balance here. So I would love to yeah. hear from Man City fans. Give us your comments. Uh, drop, drop those in as well. By the way, Sporting beat Besiktas 4-1 in Group C. Kyle Lahren's first Champions League on his second appearance. By the way, Canada, Canada, Heath Pierce. Canada are here and they're not going anywhere, man. <laughs> they look yeah. good. Canada got some players and they're in all the positions that the U S has been wanting players. And I think we are getting those players as well, uh, developing, but for Canada, I think it's, it's so important that, um, again, they're getting this, this quality of player, uh, contributing at a champions league level, scoring a goal obviously is, is, is something really incredible and, and special. So, yeah. Absolutely. All right. So uh, we're going to get to uh, now our final thoughts. And that basically will take us to Wednesday's action because, uh, you know, today was really plentiful when it came to goals. But tomorrow should hope for the same. If our producer, Des Norris, puts them up, we can show them to you in a second. But some of them include, of course, Manchester United against Atalanta, Barcelona against Dinamo Kiev. There you go. Salzburg, Wolfsburg, Barcelona, Dinamo Kiev are the early kickoffs. Man United, Atlanta headlines those 3 p.m. kickoffs Eastern, but there's still a lot of stuff there as well. Juventus, Chelsea play, Sevilla, Lille, I feel. Anything from those games, Heath, that you're looking at going, ooh, I better keep my eye on that one. Well, as an American fan, I'm looking at Salzburg with with uh, Brendan Aronson and yep. John Anthony Brooks playing against Wolfsburg. Also, that being what is looking like the potential destination for Ricardo Pepe. So if you're an American fan, it do you like, like that? I, I don't love it. I don't love it for sure in terms of, you know, when I look at Ajax today and I go, wow, that sure seems like a fun place or even a PS, uh, PSV Eindhoven or something mm. like that that plays in that sort of traditional 4-3-3 system that's built around yeah, that's who I want. Like the ball, creating chances, things like that. I think Wolfsburg are very good. That's a Champions League club. Obviously, they they play under a lot of pressure, but at the same time, the system of a Wolfsburg hasn't always been a certain way, right? When I think about the development of a player, you go into Ajax, it's not going to be like a manager comes out and a new manager comes in and they play a completely different type of footballing system, right? You're going into an actual school of football and and that is built on tradition and it outlasts any player or any coach. And I think that's a really strong thing for a player that even if you don't play there, you get better because you learn something new. Whereas at Wolfsburg, a coach could come out, a coach could come in, philosophy can change, the you know, players come in and out, you built it's built around the players that you have. And I don't think that's always catering to a goal scorer. Having said that, Eden Jekko, uh, a fantastic goal scorer to come through there. Um, Grafich, another fantastic goal scorer to come through there. So they've had their goal scorers throughout the year. I'm obviously talking about the year that they won the league, uh, won the Bundesliga, but I'm not, don't love it for Ricardo Pepe. I don't mean to get off uh, on that. On that, No, um, no, it's fine. It was me who asked you uh, yeah. all of it. But uh, aside from the Salzburg-Wolfsburg game, is there anything else that you're looking at? Barcelona, of course, they need a win pretty much, you would think, right? I mean, that's a big one. And Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and Manchester United, I mean, it's not so much if they lose, but if they lose in a certain manner, once again, I know there's backing. But to me, I'm still befuddled by this... Uh, 
overwhelming support, and I get it. It's because of the loyalty of who he represents for that club. But still, like, if they lose badly to Atalanta, he fears. I mean, my goodness, that could be trouble for for United fans. Yeah. I, I, by the way, I'm going to get back to that point in one second. Just so you know, tomorrow is all about the U.S. MNT uh, in Champions League. You got <laughs> Juventus else? playing. Well, you've got yeah. Lille playing uh, for 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 our boy. You've got Jordan Pifok at Young Boys. Oh, that's uh, right. And so you've got you've got a, and then obviously you've got uh, our, our competitors at Alfonso Davies at Bayern Munich. And so you know yeah, a number right. of oh Barcelona. You got Virginia Desk guys. This is can't miss. Concacaf uh, heavy, USMNT uh, yeah. heavy. But but the but yeah, again, going back to when we talked about Jesse Marsh at RB Leipzig, and and it's hard to judge a, a team like that. That's because you are the underdog, right? And mm. and it's tough to 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 take this in, in isolation and say, hey, this result against PSG. Now maybe you could say in the way in which you gave up those results, you don't have the team motivated or tactically your team's not good enough because you had the lead and you you gave that up. Also, still hard to judge because you're like, yeah, but they have Mbappe. Like, what do you want me to do? Um, but looking at this, when you look at Manchester United. Um, for, for Ole Gunnar, this is a must-win game. You're playing against Atalanta. You are a bigger club. You are a better team, and you should be able to prove that and show that. Now, I don't know if that swings one way or another, but it's one of those games that it comes under this much pressure, and and, and the same thing uh, at Barcelona, where you're supposed to win this. Now, I think Barcelona has got a heavier advantage against Dinamo Kiev than in Atalanta, who I think are, are capable of beating you in, in more ways than, than Dinamo could beat Barcelona. But overall, for Manchester United, that's a bounce-back moment where you say, let's not compound the issues that we've gone through. Let's get the result. Let's make it a professional result. doesn't have to be great, but you have all of the players that this should be a pretty comfortable win for you at home. Yeah, home well, let's... And you, well, yeah, yeah they are at, Manchester United are at home. And just to remind everybody, that's Group F. Atalanta lead the group with four points. Then it's Young Boys, because remember, Young Boys did beat Manchester United. Then it's United with three points. And then Villarreal at the bottom. Obviously, big game there as well. And then Barcelona are bottom of Group E. Zero points, two losses, conceded six uh, goals, scored zero. This is, uh, this is a big game for them as well. And just to remind everybody, that's the group F, Atalanta against Manchester United, Young Boys Villarreal. And then if we scroll, look at that, Bayern Munich, obviously doing their thing. Benfica, Dinamo Kiev, and Barcelona right there with nothing there. And that's it. Minus six, by the way. Go all Barcelona, minus Barcelona, six. Barcelona, that oh. is. Unbelievable. Ooh. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So uh, please let us know what you think. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter, Pod. Make sure that you subscribe to YouTube and put that notification bell so you get all the episodes. If you're listening to this on pods, we are on Spotify, Stitcher. And also check us out on CBS Sports app and cbsports.com. Heath Pierce has been amazing throughout this whole thing. And obviously, uh, we got plenty more with him. I want to thank Jonathan Johnson as well. Christina, Uncle Jimmy Conrad. Heath, final words before we say goodbye. What a cast you had on today, you know, <laughs> whipping know. people in and out was that was a lot of fun, man. That was a, that was a roller coaster ride. And I'm, I appreciate you having me. It's like we're Richmond AFC, baby. We're just taking <laughs> care of business right here. Uh, who would you be in that situation? Heath Pierce. <laughs> oh, Ted Lasso. <laughs> Sadly, I would be Nate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would like to be Nate, man. What a what a heart he has. Oh, uh, what a terrible way to like imagine reading the script for season two. You're like, oh my God, really? I have to be this guy? Unbelievable. Uh, now, yeah. what have I taught? Come on now. Come on now. Hopefully, season three will give us more. But hey, thank you so much, everybody, for watching and listening. Heath Pierce, thank you, brother. Thank you. Have a great, great evening. We will see you next time, everybody.